you use the sales skills to acquire knowledge. You use these skills to better understand the needs of the people you want to be working with to deliver an outcome. You use sales skills to build rapport. Uh, you use sales skills to add value. You use sales skills to create long-lasting relationships um, and build trust. And, and you know, it's not just a case of creating an environment that is transactional. You know, I want, therefore, you must give. It's more of I understand that you have a need, I might be able to help, and let's explore what that situation looks like. Welcome everybody, I'm Chris O'Hare, your Quick Win CEO. And in this show, we talk to entrepreneurs and industry experts on different ways to improve your business and get their three Quick Win recommendations. And today we're talking to Ben Bennett, an expert in sales with 23 years experience. And he's trained thousands of people on the different components of a sale, such as the strategy, the processes, and the tools. And in a previous role, Ben was also the chief operating officer for a blockchain startup securing deals of up to 1.2 million and awarded a top 10 startup in Europe. So he clearly knows what he's talking about. It's great that we're going to get his opinion on the topic of this podcast, which is the secret to being a billionaire is sales. We'll also get his quick win recommendations on how to improve your sales today. So let's go. Hi, Ben. Firstly, tell me the last thing that you read or watched or did that that left an impression on you. And it, it could be anything, a Netflix series or a book you read or even a quote. It's pro- probably best I avoid my uh, my Disney Plus adventures. Um, there are two books actually. So one of them um, is behind me. There is uh, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Um, so he really strikes me as a person that, that embraces changing landscapes in his life quite frequently, um, and he really does live in the present. And uh, the thing that I quite like about it is he seems really controlled, uh, and at the same time entirely reckless. Uh, and I find that quite an interesting quality in person, but you know, I really respect his attitude towards life and he's very much a, I can do, I will do, as opposed to the, the glass half empty kind of approach. So, you know, probably more of a, a personal one, but I actually found that both a really good read, but you know, just, just looking at the way that that man takes his, uh, takes his life and his attitude towards it, it's really good fun. Um, and from a, a business perspective, um, if you've not come across him before, there's uh, a guy called Daniel Priestley. Uh, and Daniel Priestley has written a, a quite a number of books. Um, is, uh, is the man behind Dent Global. Uh, and basically this book just talks about, you know, the way he sees the world of sales and business. And it's, it's really clear uh, the way he articulates it. It's incredibly easy to understand. And, and, you know, just looking at the basic principles of supply and demand. But when you're looking at, you know, how you apply his ideas into your own business or the way you sell or the way you see the world uh, is, is pretty much a must read in my opinion. So, so those are the two books um, that, that I would bring to the table for this discussion at least. Yeah. Well, Matthew McConaughey, I mean, <laughs> no one can forget his, uh, his, his um, rendition in <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that always comes to mind every time I think of, um, trying to build motivation i'm like right okay you know let's thump the chest let's get to start cracking it out 
um but yeah he's he's phenomenal and one of my favorite actors actually so uh, glad you picked that up and the book recommendation Jock, we get so many book recommendations on this podcast um i got a list as long as my arm um and it's weird because most books are very like subjective to the those people's um personal experience of why it hits home for them so every book has a kind of sort of uh edge to it that for them it makes sense and then you speak to someone else and their edge is slightly different and that book makes sense for them so um what would you say that that edge of that particular book has done for you what what do you think it is that that that's hit home and you thought you know what that's a book i'd recommend I think uh, a it's just easy to read. So I'm not a massive reader. You know, truth be told, I'm I'm a, more a, a peruser of pages rather than a completer of books. Mm. But you know, I I went cover to cover on that, and I just felt that um, you know there's just so much to the life has to offer. And by sitting there and just accepting the the cards that you're dealt, you know, you're only going to either go so far or experience so much. But just the the idea of him traveling around the world, going to see different sites on his own. Being completely fearless, you know, you, when you when you see those behaviours and recognise that actually you probably can apply some of those to your own life, it was I just thought it was really, really great to to recognise the opportunity that sits out there, and you know you can bring all of the uh, the business um, elements into that as well, but at that particular point in time, you know, I've lived a fairly quiet, normal uh, life. Um, well, some might say not, but you know, it's it's one of those. One of those things where you realize that actually there is a, is a world of opportunity out there and sometimes you just need someone to demonstrate that it's possible so yeah i just i really um i really felt comfortable i felt like i knew this guy as i'm reading it and it was it was really easy to to um you know get cover to cover on which i've not done with a book in a long time mm. well, that's obviously important it's funny because some books i can just read and others I just really struggle with. So, um, but again, no, again, I think it's that edge. It's that edge. It's that what hit homes for you and, and what the learning um, and the lessons that you can take from it. And, and that keeps you hooked. But yeah, really good. Okay, I've got two books there to add to my list. Um, so it's going to be 200 by the time I finish with this podcast, the amount of books I've got. But um in terms of the topic today, which I think is quite an exciting topic, actually, because uh, it's something you hear a lot about, but you don't quite really understand what what it means and why uh, people think this. And so I kind of want to get into the depth of what, what this topic is. And that's kind of um, the secret to being a billionaire is sales. And, and just to frame that question... Uh, I read a um, an article by someone called Jeff Hayden. He basically he asked twenty of the most successful people on earth to to name one skill that they think had the biggest impact on their, their success. And um, mostly all of them said sales and persuasion. And and just kind of go into a bit more detail from that. So Mark Cuban, one of the things he says is sales come first. And then if you, uh, another really famous billionaire, Warren Buffett, uh, he, he's obviously very famous for his investing style, but he talks about sales. And if he says, um, if you were going to take a course or do one thing in your life, that's the most important, 
he talks about sales and persuasion, take a course in sales and persuasion, which again alludes back to the, um, the quote by Jeff Hayden that, you know, that's one of the most important things. Why, why do you think that is the case? Why do you think all these billionaires are saying that sales is the most important part um, of their success? I think it's relatively simple um, and you know they don't see sales like a lot of people do it's a lot you know the both general public and, and people who are running small businesses or a uh, new, new to industry look at sales as something that's it's old it's um, really aggressive it's borderline harassment and you know really is a dirty word but I think when you really understand what sales can mean in a much broader perspective it's about value right so if you're if you're selling anything you need to know a lot and in order to know a lot you've got to ask the right questions and, and look at the right places so you know the way i the way i see sales and you know disclaimer i'm not a billionaire um but it's uh you know something that i've been involved with for a long time and you use the sales skills to acquire knowledge you use these skills to better understand the needs of the people you want to be working with to deliver an outcome you use sales skills to build rapport. Uh, you use sales skills to add value. You use sales skills to create long-lasting relationships um, and build trust. And, and you know, it's not just a case of creating an environment that is transactional. You know, I want, therefore, you must give. It's more of I understand that you have a need. I might be able to help, and let's explore what that situation looks like. So, I think sales really covers plethora of things not just about generating revenue although if you want to be successful in business and, and reach that accolade of being a billionaire then revenue is going to be important but i think it's the foundations that sit underneath sales that, that are far more important um i mean you mentioned uh, buffett there talking about persuasion as well and i think for me that's a bit of an interesting one so you know, if you look at persuasion as helping someone make a choice one choice over another persuasion or the art of persuasion can be a good thing um, however using sales tactics using the art of persuasion using psychology to persuade people to do things that they don't want to do for me is a no-no and you know in a lot of training that i do for businesses we talk about you know understanding the power of sales techniques and it really can be used for good and evil um, but you know, if you're if you're in the right place and using it for the right reasons, it's a very very powerful and productive um, skill set and, and toolkit to have have in your arsenal. So I get why they're saying that. Without sales, you haven't really got anything else. Mm. It's interesting though. You said toolkit, and that's what I was going to say. So isn't sales a, a collection of skills under this guise of, you know, the, 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 the umbrella of sales, right? So negotiating and, and all communication and persuasion. Um, that's, that's a whole topic that we could talk about uh, in terms of uh, persuasion. But, um, but would you say that's, that's the case, that sales is, is almost just a, an umbrella term for lots of different soft skills um, that, that you kind of bring to the, 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 the whole package together to, to kind of convince someone to buy something from you. Would you say I that's think, the case? I think that's an absolute fair statement. You know, so the role of the salesperson now has changed from when I started 20 plus years ago. And it's, you know, back when I started, it was dial as many phone numbers as you can, get us through to as many people as you can, convince as many people as you can. And what it actually looks like now is far more of a 
you know, let's truly understand our customers' problems. Can we fix them? Can we address them? Can we demonstrate value? Can we demonstrate value beyond our competitors? Can we build those relationships, rapport? Can we overcome internal uh, buying problems, stakeholder issues? Can we manage multi-channel uh, outreach campaigns? You know, it's hugely complex. And I think to, to think of sales as in, like I said at the beginning, I want you pay. It just is not that anymore. And, you know, I've, I've talked quite openly about the desire to change its name. You know, I'm, not, I'm never going to be on a one man crusade to outdo that, but it's got such mm. negative connotations around the word sales. Um, and the word, incidentally, is uh, it comes from a, a Scandi word, which actually means to serve. So, you know, they're, they're, it's people misunderstand what it is, but you're right, sales or sales skills is a toolkit of many different things. So yes, objection handling, relationship management, you know, all of these things are going to be fundamental to taking a person from entirely unaware of you through to being a user and a massive advocate of your product or service. But that is a long journey from building awareness through to advocacy. That takes a lot. And that's not just a single job of a salesperson either. So as an organization, You've got marketing on the front end of that. You've got sales and customer onboarding, client success, you know, and then, and then you've got the whole piece of uh, enabling customers to be advocates and um, uh, champions of your brand thereafter. So it needs a rebrand, but yeah, there's just so many uh, moving parts underneath that, that that really can feed up into that overall sales description. Now, you're the, sale, the sales expert, I would say, in terms of the way you, you're coming across. You, you're, you're saying the right things in terms of, you know, there's all these different elements to sales. But if you, if you talk to probably other entrepreneurs, they don't have that um, collection of skills and, and they don't understand the kind of the, the lines between each of those skills and saying you know so there's a bit over here that we need to work on it's a bit over here they just see it as this this general term and for me that that general term is if you don't have any sales you don't have a business because you've got nothing to sell to to someone and actually uh when i first started I um I realized quite early on that if there was no one to sell to, there's there's no service to provide or or there's nothing to do. And actually, first and foremost, I just need to to start talking to people and trying to convince people that I was the worthy person for that that job, that service, or whatever that is that they wanted to do. So for me, boiling it down, like that was all it was. It was just convincing people that I could provide something and then and then I can actually do that thing. Um, yeah. Because before that, I couldn't do that. So I needed to have that that, that element of a, of a sale. And, and kind of going further than that, I think psychologically, the way I look at sales, this is my opinion, obviously, um, I see it as being brave, right? To, to go actually go out and talk to someone and say, would you buy this thing? Would you give me your money for me to do something for you? I think for me, fundamentally, if you can't do that and you can't ask someone to, to pay for something, how the hell can you be an entrepreneur? You know, and so I, and I saw a nice little formula, product plus 
sales equals entrepreneur. I was like, that's really interesting. But I would have said sales plus product equals entrepreneur. Um, because if you've got nothing to sell, if you've got no one to sell to, then, you know. But what would you say to that? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm a bit more of a, um, a reductionist in comparison to you. But would you say that where I was coming from, would you say that that's what most entrepreneurs come from when, it, when they think about sales? And then, and then how, how do you then convert their mindset into the way you talk about it, which is a collection of tools in a toolkit? So I've, I've been working with um, businesses of various sizes. Some have got large sales teams, some are just starting out. Um, and typically most founders, most are not from a, a sales background. They're either technical or domain experts at what they do, which is why they typically go out on their own because they don't want that, you know, they don't want to be employed anymore, grab your time back, do whatever it is that you need to do. And the problem that you find is that uh, you go out into market with, I am this person and I do this thing. Let me sell as much of it as possible. And the difficulty you've got there is you don't know how to identify the people that will buy it from you. It also might be a crowded place. So really what I mean, this is from building products to offering services, you've got to try and understand who that ideal customer is first and then understand what's keeping them awake at night and then understand if you can actually solve that problem. So if you look at that, um, that product plus entrepreneur, product plus sales equals entrepreneur, it's probably not that, it's probably problem plus ability plus sales equals entrepreneur. I like that so, one, that's so good. If, you, if you've got, if you can match up a problem and know that you can fix it, you can find people with that problem. And that way, you know that you're going in to help rather than this is what I do, can you buy it from me? And so they're two different mindsets. One of them is helping, one of them is perceived to be taking. So if you can just get in your own mind right that you are solving a specific solution, a specific problem, sorry, for, uh, for an individual or a business, you are coming to help. And if you are helping, there is no reason why people won't pay you for that service. That is sales. The reason it becomes icky when you're an entrepreneur or a new business owner is there that is that bravery that confidence piece is you don't want to put yourself on a pedestal put yourself out there and be everybody look at me i've actually now got to pretend to be extroverted and i've got mm. to pretend to be the greatest in the world and then i've got to put a price tag on it that i'm not quite sure is appropriate will you buy keep your fingers crossed and it, it just creates this really awful environment and you will see that people generate revenue through friends, family, immediate networks, former colleagues, and that gives a little boost. But what happens is, is they, they win that revenue, they win that client, they deliver the work, and then they've got to start again. And what we're seeing then is peaks and troughs. So when you started out in your business to have your life back, more time, consistent revenue, it doesn't happen because you're literally going pillar to post, delivering work, looking for new opportunities, trying to sell to them, which I hate. Delivering, looking for opportunities, trying to sell, and it becomes this really vicious cycle. So being able to break out of that and put in consistent frameworks that allow you to add value and help without being on the take, it's most of it's mind over matter. So nothing's actually changed. It's just how you position yourself and, and go to market. That's, well, you've said it. Like Without those frameworks, it's, uh, it's very difficult. So let's talk about those frameworks. I want to know. 
You've, you've okay. piqued my interest. But tell me. So, so it's, it's quite a simple process. First of all, you've got to understand who it is that you're solving the problem for and identify what that problem is and then identify why you are uniquely placed to be able to solve it. When you're in that position, you can then go through and perhaps size that audience and make sure that, that audience is big enough for you to go and sell to, but break down what's called uh, an ideal customer profile. So who are they? Are they a buyer or are they a user of your product or service? And if you've then got an understanding of that, uh, that person, what's their role? What are they accountable for? What are they like? How do they learn? What are their skill sets? When you understand a good, uh, a good profile of this individual, you understand how to talk to them. Um, but one of the main things you want to know is what's keeping them awake at night. So if you're running a small business or running any business or even a department, you've probably had times where you woke up in the middle of the night, cold sweats, wondering what the hell's going on. Where's my next deal coming from? Where's, uh, how am I going to go and solve the problem that I've got in my business? I don't know who to contact. You know, these are the, what I call the 2 a.m. problems where you just wake up in the middle of the night. And it, you know, this happens to me. I'm not, I'm not uh, immune to this. But when you know what those problems are, you can directly communicate the value that you bring to solve that problem. So instead of saying, my name is Ben, I'm a sales trainer, you're a sales manager, will you buy my services? What I'm looking for is an understanding of businesses that have got either decreasing revenue performance, uh, aren't able to hire the right people, aren't able to onboard staff correctly. Uh, so when I speak to people, it's like, I am Ben, I'm a sales trainer. This is how I do it. And most people stop there. But you need to carry on with a benefit statement, which answers their issue of keeping them awake at night, which is, which means you don't have to worry about onboarding new staff which means you don't have to worry about reducing revenues, which means you don't have to worry about upskilling your existing sales team so that you can generate more revenue. And you need to directly answer people's pain points. So who am I serving and what is the problem? Who specifically am I serving in terms of an ideal customer profile? And then building out value-based statements that allow you to demonstrate value rather than just tell people what you do. So you may have come across the acronym with him or seen it for me. Um, and you always want to be thinking like that. Why are you going to be interested in hearing what I can do? Mm. You're not going to be interested in how I do things. You're going to be interested in the results I deliver. And that's all about positioning and that's how you communicate value. Um, so that's more of a, like a, a communications piece. But you know, if we want to go into the day-to-day the -day tactics of how to sell and the activity you need to do. Again, we could, we could be here forever, but spend half an hour every day prospecting. You know, making sure you're reaching out to people, sending messages, connecting on LinkedIn, engaging with content. You know, there's a list as long as my arm that I could give you, but just be consistent and deliberate around specific activities in your outreach and make, make sure people know that you're there. So you talked about customer profile. I, I get this a lot. So, and it's something we even struggle with in terms of understanding who are the people we're trying to solve and what what's their pain and you can't you can't grasp the the actual pain that they have until they kind of really talk about it but it's very difficult to identify that well we're finding it quite difficult to identify that 
without you know going to a lot of uh, people and, and talking to them and and then there's the, the thing on top of that which is uh, you should be niching even further so you find that and then go even further into it um, and we find that really tricky do you do you one do you agree um, you know that finding that customer profile or that your target audience is difficult and two how niche should you go uh, do you go super super granular or do you just stay relatively um, you know, quite general. Two two really interesting questions. So the first one is around, you know, um, do you find it hard to get your ideal customer profile? Um, I find it nearly impossible to do it for myself. And a lot of businesses that I speak to are either branding companies or do these kind of workshops and they can't do it for themselves. So just recognizing that just because you can't do it doesn't mean you can't work with someone else to help you get there. Um, and you know, I, I teach this stuff. So for me not to still be able to apply that to my own business and have these limiting beliefs is quite normal. Um, my view on niching is that yes, you should be doing it where you can, um, and not be scared of it. And, the, and the, really the difference is somebody arrives on my website and it says, I'm a sales trainer or somebody arrives on my website and it says, I am a sales trainer for media companies with this amount of people. What that's going to mean is that those people that don't fit that criteria can discount themselves, disqualify themselves and move on. And those people that see themselves in that profile can approach me. And that way I'm only ever working within my expertise, within my skill set, and being really specific with the messages that land for that particular niche. I use a, a really basic analogy around niching down. Like if you look up at the sky, the night sky, and you see stars, there are millions of them. Now, if you put a telescope onto that and focus on one area of the sky, you're still going to see through that lens millions of stars. And if you were to go and get a very hyper-powerful uh, telescope that goes beyond your own budgets and your back garden, um, you will be able to look very deeply into space and into the sky uh, and still see millions of stars. So as you're slowly making this pool uh, of view smaller and smaller and smaller, there is still a huge opportunity for people um, for you to reach out to and communicate with to demonstrate value. And I think it just comes down to making sure that you are selling into an audience base that is big enough uh, and still growing and hasn't overcome the problems that you fix. So it's not to say you must niche. I believe it makes life easier when communicating to prospects when you have. Uh, yeah, because obviously if you're a person that, is in those particular industry that you're targeting. So, you know, uh, media, um, when someone from the media industry comes across your website and they have that particular need, then obviously the, 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 the way more likely, I don't know what the stats are, but the way more likely to engage with you because they feel like you can talk their language and you understand their particular pains yeah. and it's so it comes back to the pains then it's the it's their particular pains and actually people don't like taking a risk on people that don't um know their business and they think rightly or wrongly that that person in that industry um is is going to be able to to almost do their job for them or they know more uh than they they than they think they might know so it's it's a perspective it's, it's perception isn't it it's perspective on on that person but whether that's true or not it probably is true but that's what 
Um, that's what people do. You don't, you don't hire a, you know, a, um, a carpenter to do plumbing, right? Yep. You'll go to a plumber um, to do the plumbing, even though the carpenter could probably do the plumbing just fine because he's probably done some training in it, but you don't, you just, you just don't feel comfortable in approaching that person. So I'm assuming it's very similar to that. It's, it's absolutely true. And if you're working in a B2B environment, this is probably quite an interesting statistic is around 80% of your buyers of your potential customers are already aware that they have a problem and will have done their research on a potential number of providers already. Mm. That's huge. Take it, take me back 20 years when I started out selling, you didn't have your, you know, easy access to information. It was a case of, you know, yellow pages or, you know, you probably got some search engines that weren't particularly good, but it, the, the information available to us wasn't, um, wasn't prevalent. So how your website speaks, how you're communicating value to a specific audience and problem, Chris, you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what it needs to do. Always go back to the problem because no one cares what you do. I'm sorry to say they care that you can take their problem away, but they don't care what you do. Mm, that's, it's quite powerful. I, I, I still find it tricky um, to try and find that niche. So what would you say someone should do if they had to look into the target demographic? Do they go to an existing customer? Do they, do they just start talking to people? Do, how, how, what's the first step for that? How, how do they find that? Well, I don't, I don't think you need to draw a line in the sand forever. I think that's the first thing to remember. Um, also consider what you've done with previous clients. You know, who do you like working with? What is their genetic makeup? You know, what are the characteristics? Who are the ones that pay on time? Who are the ones that are easy to get decisions from? Who are the ones that are working locally? Um, you know, what are their interests? So, so understanding their sectors, their geography, their what are called firmographics. So they, firmographics are what demographics are. It's firmographics are to businesses, what demographics are to people. So how can you then go and identify that companies with 2 million turnover um, and more than five staff based in the Southeast working in the cleaning products industry? When you know that, you can use databases and tools to go and size the market and identify exactly who everyone is. And um, without that information, it's really hard to do. So I would look inwards first. What do you like? What have you enjoyed? Uh, what are you good at? Uh, and then look at building that out and being very deliberate in who you go after. If it's change intact and you want to go after something very specific because perhaps you're going through a period of growth, um, then it's about you know identifying where the opportunity sits. Um, and it might be beyond what you've done previously you still need to recognize what their what their needs and wants are uh, but also to be able to go and identify them on a database that's probably one of the easiest triggers to do is go and have a look at a tool like apollo.io as an example and just go through all of their search criteria and say do i know what this criteria is for my ideal customer and if you don't make it up mm. make it up until you've got an audience big enough make it up until you've got um a database large enough that you've interviewed and validated theory before you even make a commitment to go forward it's because you know um well they say assumption makes an ass out of you and me so try and validate everything before you go and do it speak to your existing customers speak to prospects do your research and just find out if what you're doing is actually wanted and needed in that arena
I like what you said though, uh, right at the beginning where you say, just fun, just think about the customers you work with that you enjoyed working with. And I just, well, yeah, that's an obvious one when you think about it, because you know that those, uh, the psychographics are clearly going to be down your, your street. Um, yeah. And when it comes to the, the demographic, maybe it's a little bit trickier uh, for me. Uh, I think, I think for me, it's the industry. It's trying to the niche down to an industry um, rather than a type or a type of business or, a, you know, the typical demographics and all the rest of it. So that that's the bit I find the trickiest, the industry. Um, but I think, like you said, it's trial and error, work it out and then, and then keep going and keep moving forwards. And that's, that's essentially what we're doing now uh, is we're trialing things, seeing, seeing how it feels, um, see how our products fit, how our services fit with that and, uh, and keep moving forwards. Uh, but that's really interesting. Okay. So in terms of your, um, your three quick wins that you would recommend to people when it comes to um, improving their sales today. So, so something that, you know, they've, they've listened to the podcast and they think, you know what, I, I need to improve my sales. This is something we need to do. Um, a lot of times people will feel like they, they want to uh, get results. They want to, they want to get results because they, they, they feel disheartened if they don't get those results. So what, what are those things, what are those uh, quick wins that are going to give them that feeling of, you know, um, I can do this. So there, there are, so the ones that I would launch with are probably first and foremost to speak to your customers and prospects and validate what it is that you're offering. Okay. So, you know, we want to remove assumption. We want to get clarity and we want to be really deliberate. So speak to more people. Okay. They might be peers. They might be family. They might be customers. They might be prospects. Just speak to people, validate what it is that you're doing and who you're doing it for. And um, you might not want to hear some of the answers, but it's important that you do. Um, so they're the first, that's the first thing I do. Um, the second thing is ask for help. Uh, and a lot of people see this as a sign of weakness, but ultimately if you are, if you've got someone who can review phone calls, proofread proposals, um, if you're asking for introductions to other businesses, if you're, uh, if they can share ideas with you about how to speak to this next person, you know, just ask for help. You don't have to do this on your own. You might have a manager, you might be running your own business. Uh, you, you might be just about to start out on your own. There are people that have done it, uh, that have, you know, worn every single element of uh, scarring through the industry, you know, have, you know, have, have done it all and walked that path before. So ask these people, you know, I, I include myself there, reach out to me on LinkedIn, ask for help. Um, I'm more than happy to do so, as are many other people in your network. So that's the second one. The third and final one, it's not even the final one, I could go on forever with these, but the third one is you need to be prospecting all of the time looking for new opportunities all of the time not just when you're quiet not just when it suits you not just when you you know i've got a spare hour on a friday afternoon go prospecting every single day doing your research understanding their needs validating that that is to be true building a relationship with these people and um connecting on linkedin engaging with their content and being visible don't sell a thing just be visible be helpful be there uh, but be prospecting all of the time. Um, and one really simple metric here is if you just go and find five potential new people every day, that's not a lot. That's 25 in a working week. 
and that's 100 new prospects every single month. And if you've got 1,200 new prospects in a year, and you're talking to 10% of them, right? Well, that's 120 conversations. And if you can close a third of those, then you know you're looking at 40 new clients. So when you start to look at numbers like that, it becomes far more manageable rather than which direction do I go in and, and what do I need to do? Just be consistent and deliberate around what it is that you're doing. Um, I'm going to add another one if I can, Chris. It's just it's a bonus one. Go on. Bonus, bonus. Measure everything that you do. Measure everything. So if it moves, measure it. How much am I doing? Through what stages of my pipeline have they gone through? Where are people dropping off? How long are the conversations I'm having? Who's replying to what emails? You know, you want to be testing and measuring, and then also let data inform what you do as well. Um, and that that will be my my bonus fourth <laughs> quick wins for you. But hopefully they they're useful and you can apply those into businesses today. Yeah, I think the prospecting one is uh, is incredible um, because for me it's it's creating a habit. It's creating a habit to do it. So, um, and you have a pipeline of potential people that are warmed up, ready to to buy off you. So that when if you do um, have a bit extra time to kind of really uh, convert them, then you can because they're already warm and they're already uh, ready to go. So uh, that's the one I'd recommend. That's the one that I've noticed a massive difference for me. Uh, so yeah, really appreciate that. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for your time today. No, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And how can people get a hold of you you can find me at secondvoice.co.uk um, or you can go on linkedin and search for uh, ben bennett second voice and I'll, I'll appear there as well um i don't think there are too many ben bennett's but if not you'll uh, you should be able to find me quite easily amazing cheers ben thank you thank you very much Thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. If you want another episode to understand the mindset of a billionaire, listen to Inside the Mind of Donald Kellier. You can find that by Googling Quick Win CEO. Until next time, I'm Chris O'Hare, your Quick Win CEO, signing out. <laughs>